Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health Right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hi, everybody, and welcome to Blizzard Watch, the podcast where we talk about Blizzard's games because we love them and we love you. Uh, well, I don't. I'm a No, I love you. Yeah, Adam loves you. Uh, I don't but because I'm, I'm a monster. I'm I do, but not in that way. No, in that way. <laughs> she's, not, she, it's just, she's just not that into you. That, that's what we're saying. Uh, hi, I'm Matt Rossi. I was out last week because I was sick. I'm still a little sick, um, but I'm good enough to do a podcast, hopefully. If not, we'll find out, I guess. I'll blow up my knee. Oh, my God, I stressed my knee too quickly, podcast. Uh, You're good enough to dance on a table. I mean, what else is there? Yeah, really. What else do you need from me? Um so with me, of course, uh, the two fantastic people. We're always going to have at least two fantastic people because, I mean, I'm not counting myself because that would just be arrogant. But at least two fantastic people. Um, we never know exactly who they'll be because, you know, we have to have them fight before every show. And, you know, whoever wins of the two gets to be on. That's the way it works. It's the other but way around. This, <laughs> <laughs> the loser must do the podcast. Yeah. But with us this week uh, is Adam... Adam Haliski. So, Adam, what have you been doing in game? Um, I have uh, been sticking to my dailies. Um, what is something actually that I accomplished recently? I got my seventy-five uh, pets to level twenty-five, so that's cool. And I got this little ugly-looking cricket thing um, as a reward, which is really underwhelming. And but hey, that's neat. Now I have seventy-five twenty level twenty-five battle pets. Uh, I want to talk about the re- reward that blizzard gives for some of these achievements they're underwhelming and they need to have something cooler like i hit 75 i don't want a little cricket jerk i want i want a cool pet like i want a ghost wolf or something like that as a pet right Uh, if you say so i do and i I, I I feel very strongly about this no i I just i can't really comment on it because i have like maybe 20 pets and i don't do anything with any of them there it's very addicting it's easy to do now because there's so many like little tricks to uh, power level and chain level them and everything like that. And um, what no, I actually no. found out, and I want to share with the podcast world, is you 
just do the dailies every day, then you go buy a ton, like I'm talking like six, use your 600 tokens, whatever you've built up, and go buy 600 tokens worth of the uh, two token bags. So you get 300 bags to open up, right? And you get each of those specific, uh, specific cl- uh, class stones to level your pets with. And on the law of averages, you end up getting equal numbers at that large of a large of a sample or damn near equal and it's pretty awesome so i can level any pet now i've got something like what did i count the other day i could level like 30 pets on a whim if i wanted yeah that sounds great not at all like a terrifying addiction that we will someday have to talk to you about it's not it's better than pokemon so it's okay at this point i'm gonna introduce Anne so she gets to talk because otherwise it's just gonna turn to adam haliski's weird bed tricks it's i swear to god i feel a little bit like this was like an episode like something from buzzworthy it's, it's that one show. weird tr- level your level your pets using this one weird trick uh, Anne, you, what are you up to i also hit the achievement for 75 pets this week, <laughs> and i got the cricket that's currently sitting on the table here for those watching the video feed oh, of this podcast. No, and I think that the cricket is amazing and I love it very much. And I don't think it's crappy at all, Adam. No, it is crappy. It's terrible. I'm going to love it forever. Thank you. There's my sentinel pet. What? Do either of you have the sentinel pet, the owl? Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, that's the that was the subject of the one I did this week. The KYL I did this week was the uh, cow, the cow ranger who it's gives that. Mine is not level twenty five yet. Mine, um, it is on the list to be leveled. I've actually been doing exactly what Adam has been doing, um, also and leveling battle pets like mad, which has been working out surprisingly well. Um, Anna wrote a guide on the site. That's basically how to level your pets with the trainers, with the Draenor trainers. And I've been doing that every day. And what happens is, if I use a safari hat, I get my level 1 pet all the way up to 25 using the trainers. And then I use my tokens and I just buy the leveling stones. And I end up with something like 10 leveling stones a day. So it's 10 levels per pet per day. So all I do is I go through the pets that I have, that I've caught that are like level 24, 23, yes. 22, and I just bump them up to 25. So right. I'm consistently getting like three or four or five pets a day to level 25. It's kind of crazy. That's what I do. Um, what awesome. am I doing with all of these pets? Nothing in particular. I'm just enjoying getting them to that level, I guess. Uh, eventually, I'm going to beat the Celestial Tournament. I still haven't. I didn't try it this week. I you, probably should have. What you're getting, Anne, is you're getting the the endorphins released in your brain that tells you, good job, go do more of <laughs> good this. Good job, you're level 25. And Become addicted. Yes. So the only thing I wanted to talk about was Azeroth Armory because last year, uh, I don't know if you guys remember, they did the Azeroth Chopper special. Oh and my gosh. One of the things Anne and I had said at the time, we, we said, I think on every podcast for two months. For every <laughs> said, episode of this show. Yeah, we said yeah, it would have been great if they did that man if they got the guy from Man at Arms to do weapons for them instead. That would be so cool. They were, and they what were, happened? Yeah, yeah, it they happened. Did it. Now here's the funny, the part that I find really funny. Right, I had very specific complaints about Azeroth choppers, and one of them was specific. They, well, one of them was <laughs> they oh, they're pretty the, general. <laughs> they didn't show the process at all. It, right. it, they had all the manufactured drama. They didn't show them actually building anything, and I wanted to see them build things. 
And then the other thing was just from a relevancy standpoint, I thought it'd be way more relevant if they built the weapons. And, you know, Rossi brought up man at arms. I'm like, yeah, like that guy. And we were talking about that. Um, and it just, it, it feels like they tailor made this show for me and Rossi. Yeah. <laughs> like and they it, even included lore tidbits. <laughs> what, what, else, what else got me was that when they were doing man at arms, the last episode of man at arms, they, they did before Tony left the show and they switched it over was they, they asked for votes on what weapon to make. Should they make frost more or should they make gore hell? And we wanted and Gorhal. We went, yeah, we went nuts for Gorhal. We were like, come on, it's got to be Gorhal. And this they made Frostmourne. And we were like, oh, there already is Frostmourne. There's tons of Frostmourne. So when they did this, and the first weapon they do is, is Gorhal. I seriously, uh, it's like they made it just for us. Yeah. What they I did. really like, too, is um, I like the point that they made that a lot of people don't seem to understand is that this is a functional weapon. Like you can you can hit things with this and hurt them. This is it is life steel. <laughs> but it is it life is... steel. This is not you're you're, you're not going to they are not going to sell this in the Blizzard store. This is not the kind of thing you can carry on the plane. No. But that being said, no one said this was a realistic weapon. No. Because Gorhal if it was made out of solid metal and wood, and there was, you know, if it just was like a piece, would weigh 112 pounds. Yeah. Is that this, not realistic, though? I mean, well, honestly, no, I just, real weapons are very being, light. For an orc, maybe. Yeah, real, we- <laughs> real weapons are light. They're not heavy like this. Even There's a two-hander from the medieval ages? I, I thought yeah. that they were around like yeah, even no, 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 five no. pounds. Or f- you're talking 15 pounds. Yeah. Really? Okay. Well, yeah. Honestly, I've, yeah. I've, held a, I've held like a actual um, claymore. At the heaviest, we're talking twenty-five pounds. They really, just, yeah. the they're reason they, hefty, but they're not unwieldy. The reason they can't be that heavy is because you have to swing this thing over and over again, and your arm will get tired real fast. Think about think about the idea of holding just a fifteen-pound barbell in your hand yep. for an hour and just swinging it around constantly. Think Carrying about how tired around a two-year-old for three hours. Yeah. It's, yeah. But that's one of the things I really liked about it, too, is how he, when, when they're talking about making it and he's saying to them, yeah, this is going to have to be this because you just this thing won't be able to lift it if I if I make it solid. I, I really enjoyed watching them do it. Um, I really hope that they do other stuff. I, I, and you're the one that said that the YouTube channel has, you know, vote for the next thing on it. Yeah, there was in the notes for the show. It said, is there a weapon that you want to see? Leave a comment. And it didn't indicate whether or not there would actually be a next show. I think they were just asking for the um, for, you know, audience participation. But I think if enough people pipe up and say something, I, I'm hoping that this is an ongoing series. They didn't say whether it was going to be or not. But oh, my gosh, how many weapons have they made for World of Warcraft? And the thing is, is that one of the things I'd like to see too is, I mean, there's lots you can list that you'd love to see. Yeah. And a lot of a lot of them are swords and axes and so forth. But we, you guys, were talking about benediction. Yeah. And that I got me thinking stabs. about. Yeah, I, I was going to be thinking about some stabs you could put in there. I want to see um, uh, anathema. And yeah. benediction, yeah. That would be a great like duo, duo set. Oh yeah. my gosh, that'd be really cool. But I want to see, I want to see that one with like the actual where the staff looks like blades like it's actually functioning blades i think that would be cool that would be awesome <laughs> another one that would be great and it's a real interesting mix is like the, for instance the black hand doom saw yeah oh like 
because it fits the the expansion we're in because you see that thing all the time and b it's just it's an interesting very wowy weapon a very blade mastery weapon um there's i mean you know if we're talking about not so much game lore as you know amongst players we all know that the arcanite reaper has to be made the Arcanite Reaper. Um, I honestly, the the one that you were carting around earlier, the Lionheart Executioner. Yeah, that would be nice. I'd like to see a functional version of that. I think that that'd be cool. The the thing that I like about this though is is that the show went through the process, like it showed you the process. Oh yeah, all the of it. Process too. of putting it all together, um, all of the sculpting, all of this. It explained. I it like wasn't shows a joke. like that. I like How- shows like that. Right. How they cast the sculpting is fascinating, too. The reduction yeah. process, that's really, really cool. Yeah. You know what we need now? Now what? that this has happened, the only other thing that we need to have come true is Mike Holmes builds, like, a WoW castle. No. <laughs> he built I the did, castle, however, actually. I did, however, mention on Twitter, and I don't know if they listened to Twitter or not, but I think it would be really cool to see a different web series where they shadow um, cosplayers like the really technically advanced cosplayers and have them recreate Warcraft armor. You know, I wouldn't be surprised if that something like that happens. I know a lot of their community folks are really engaged would, with that. I would love to see a series on that too. You know, because I mean, the shows Honestly. that I like to watch shows like that, that I like to watch are stuff like face off or whatever, where they're showing, you know, the masks and that and the special effects makeup and things. I, I love those kinds of shows. I would love to see something like that, just like a web series for. Crossover. That's awesome. One of my one of my hopes at BlizzCon this year is that I can sit down and um, talk with uh, uh, not on not on the the cosplay side, but equally important, I think, is the music side of it all, and, and sit down and talk with Wes, Russell Brower a little bit, yeah. and uh, pick his brain about music because I worked in the classical music industry long enough that like I want to talk with him badly about things. I, I think seriously, really though, I could not have been happier. Like yeah, every every note really cool. that Azeroth Choppers missed, this one hit perfectly. It was it. I want another one. I want to know that there's going to be more of these. I was want that, them to make more of these. Was that is that the same guy that they had who played? Uh, um, oh lord, I can't remember the name of the character. He played the character from uh, Game of Thrones. Khal Drogo. Yeah, was that him in the barbarian getup at the end of the video? I don't know. It looked kind of like him, but I don't know for sure one way. I want to know that they didn't but, say. Interesting. I, I would be but, surprised if it is. He's like a big, big in, out in Hollywood right now. But uh, we should also talk about. I don't mean the actual actor. They had a guy do it at the Blizzard costume contest. Who guy it was an employee Blizzard. there? Yeah. Oh, who was that? Uh, no, that was that. Uh, no, that Queen? wasn't Russell Brower. No, no, no. Uh, anyway. We should probably talk about the next bit because, you know, it's going to be a big deal. It's tomorrow, in tomorrow, fact. Tomorrow, yeah. April 7th, we're going to see the WoW token finally get introduced to the game. They patched it in when they brought the last patch up, and now they're finally going to let you start buying these things. So I guess the big question that everyone wants answered, and we already kind of talked about it in the pre-show, but Adam wasn't here. So are you going to buy them? Or are you going to use your in-game gold to buy the, them and, you know, get yourself some free game time? What, are you gonna, what do you guys think? You go first, Dan. I want to know how much they're going to cost in gold. Mm-hmm. Like that's what I'm interested in seeing, and we aren't going to know that. Am- I mean, I know, I know they had uh, like a demonstration video that they put up, and the default number in there I think was like 30k. I don't think it's going to be 30k because that seems ridiculously cheap. Well, for 30 days worth of game time. What they're going to do? Here's here's a thought. Okay. Yeah. 
we already kind of know how much gold is worth. Right. Okay. Do we? And we do because there is a there is a black market of gold. Well, and true. a black market is still a free market. It is just not a market that's above ground. So we have this market already that's established the price of gold. Whatever Blizzard does is naturally based on very, very basic Keynesian economic principles going to equalize and become that price. Right. So this whole thought that for twenty what it's twenty dollars, right, for the token? Right. That you're getting thirty thousand worth of gold? It's not gonna be that for very long. Yeah, like, I was gonna say it's gonna, I, at thirty K they're starting it at thirty K, but I imagine that, that number is gonna climb a little higher. I think it's gonna drop. Really? I think based on what we see in the market right now, that yeah. that number is gonna go down to around twenty five, twenty ish. So I think if you wanna get your most bang for your buck, go and try to cash in on this while it is brand new and the markets have not stabilized yet because I think it's gonna go lower. I really do. It's a good idea. Um, my my whole thought on the matter is I'm not really interested in purchasing the token and selling the token for in-game gold because I have I just hit 220k on my character. What I'm interested in is how much game time can I get for my gold? You have a year's worth of game time there eventually. Apparently. It's which awesome. Is weird, weird thought. Really weird thought. So I don't I don't I don't know. What's really interesting that. is if you really think about it. What will end up happening is if you were to use your gold to buy game time that way, somebody else who needed gold is subsidizing your game time. Yeah. Sure. Like, I'm I need gold, <laughs> and I have 20 bucks, so here's my 20 bucks, and here's you know, go ahead and put it on your account. You know what it is, too? It's not going to be that I'm subsidizing it. I want to buy that mount that has the, uh, the, the transmog on it. I was talking Yuck. about this in the pre-show. I don't, I don't have that kind of gold anymore. And I want it, and I've wanted it for, you know, since Miss came out. So you're Guess what tokens, I'm getting this weekend? You're buying tokens to fund your yak. I'm going to spend 60 bucks on it, whatever. Well, there you yeah, go. It, it is a way to buy the in-game things that are not currently available. It's true. Yeah. This is true. So, yeah, that's going to be tomorrow. That's a pretty big deal. And now we should probably move on to the emails because it is a little later in the show than we expected, thanks to, you know, Adam living in the vortex of confusion. Okay, Seriously, man. A.K.A whatever state you're in so that nobody here not- knows about it so it's like it's it's a live show secret yeah. <gasps> oh live that pocket secrets. universe in which things happened but those of you that are listening to this podcast won't know about can i actually plug something really quick here sure. um wanna, yeah it's I, pretty mature show man <laughs> well i, I want to plug something at the beginning of it or right now and then i want to plug it at the end too um we are at blizzard watch going to have a uh, weekly e-zine newsletter we heard that people used to do this back in the early 90s and things Isn't with that the an e-zine i don't know e-zine, i was a kid. like a magazine that's maybe e-zine okay this is the first time i've ever said it i've read it for like 20 years but i've never said it <laughs> until now I don't really care what it ever anyways we're gonna get on the news groups and um and the emails, and on our AOL email. <laughs> and we're going to send out a weekly newsletter about uh, everything in WoW, and StarCraft, and Diablo, and Hearthstone, and Overwatch, and Blizzard in general. So you can go to the website, blizzardwatch.com, go to the sidebar, sign up for the newsletter, and it's going uh, to be this weekly thing that's coming out. We're having our first edition out tomorrow. I'm really excited about it. It's getting edited right now. So sign up, and uh, 
join us. Thanks for letting me plug it. No problem. Okay. Like I said, it's kind of your podcast, man. Yeah. Our first email is from Mick Credible, uh, a human warrior from Frostmourne. It doesn't say EU or North America, so, you know, he knows. He's from the weapon. Uh, the actual weapon. Yes, he's one of the souls. He's one of the souls in the weapon, just chilling. Hey, Rossi, Stickney. Hey, hey, Rossi, Stickney, and Zbarlinski. Zbarlinski? Yes, weird. That's a Polish last name right there. (laughs) Zbarlinski. Okay. I just have a quick question about the recently settled, question mark, conflict that occurred between the Horde and the Alliance during the Pandaria campaign. It occurred to me while reading uh, Anne's Know Your Lore on Rathion this week that there was a push to put the war back in Warcraft during the announcement of Mists. It also seemed that there was certainly heated conflict between the Horde and the Alliance for most of the expansion, with the initial landing on Pandaria and the subsequent patch 5.1 demonstrating just how explosive things have become. My question is, do you guys believe that the Pandaria expansion was the fourth war? And if not, do you believe there will be a fourth war? And what form might it take? Horde versus Alliance, Azeroth versus Legion? Love the show. Keep up the great work and congrats on keeping it going. Love. I wish I had read this in advance because I am not allowed to answer this question. I'm sorry. Okay. Uh, all right. I, that's not what I expected to hear. Yeah. I, <laughs> all the possibilities in the world. I was not expecting to hear that. I think that's a great question. Um, it is a good question. Why wouldn't it be the fourth? I, I don't know. I mean, World War II wasn't really World War II until after the fact, right? No, I mean, Matt, they, called the World War, they called it World War II during World War II. Did they really? Here's yes. what I will say. Second World War, they called it. Here's what I will say. Um, hang on. I need to Google something. Talk. Okay. okay. That, she will say that she needs to Google something. Great. Um, uh, yeah, I had no idea this was like, going to be a problem email. No, it's okay. <laughs> in, in, on the list of emails, this should not be a problem email. But Okay. In in the Warcraft in the World of Warcraft Ultimate Visual Guide, the one that I worked on, yes. the official timeline that's in there is something that I put together. Um, that they obviously had their own thing, and that was. It does not say Fourth War on that timeline. It says the invasion of Pandaria. So no, it's not the Fourth War. Okay. I was going to say it's not the fourth war. I was going to say it's not the fourth war because it's not a declared war, right? And that's kind of a cop out because the third war was never actually declared. Because when you're later, wasn't it? Yeah. The thing is, is when you're stepping on an anthill, you don't bother to declare war on it, and Mm -hmm. that's how the legion approaches what it does. The legion does not consider itself to be at war with you. It considers itself to be exterminating insects. It doesn't think of the things it destroys as adversaries. So the fact that the Legion has actually lost in Azeroth twice is roughly equivalent to you going out in your backyard with a hose to kill the ants, and it doesn't work. And you're like, what happened? I sprayed the anthill. Why is the anthill still there? Why is it bigger now? Well, I'll spray it again. Now now I'm dead. The anthill killed me when I sprayed it. That's Now it's nuts. mutant ants. Um, <laughs> that, you know, yeah. I, I think it's a very, it is a really interesting question but i don't think that the war in pandaria lasted long enough to be considered a, a to well, be considered like a, an epoch event or an epoch event it, right like it it's not it's not there two, it was kind of a two-part event because there was the invasion of pandaria and then there was the siege of orgrimmar and they were kind of you know in tandem boom boom one right after the other um but 
the the official the timeline he, doesn't refer to it as the Fourth War. It's referred to as the invasion of Pandaria. I mean, really, since, was, since Adam brought up history, I'm going to do yeah. something that historians do. Sweet. They look at the actual events in a context that might not be the way they were looked at at the time. Mm-hmm. For instance, okay. a lot of people – we'll use the American Civil War as an example. Okay. A lot of people actually view the beginning of the American Civil War to be the raid on Harper's Ferry by John Brown, even yes. though the war wasn't declared for another two years. Yeah. But in context, the, the invasion of Theramore and pretty much everything that took place in Cataclysm is in line with – what would have you know, been. What, happened, what happened in Pandaria, specifically the Horde stuff. The Horde getting stronger, the Horde, you know, attacking a Gilneas. Garrosh Horde, being a jerk. Yeah. The Horde taking over most of um, Silverpine and Gilneas and spreading further into Alterac and All that you know, stuff Rathi. in Cataclysm, yeah. Yeah. All of that stuff that wasn't dealing with Deathwing, where you've got the Horde storyline where Garrosh is militarizing and expanding. And he expanded everywhere. He expanded into Ashara. He expanded into Ashenvale. He worked behind the scenes to expand further up in, up into Dusk, Darkshore. He, you know, work, he, he got Sylvanas to expand into Gilneas. This is all stuff that if you were a historian of Azeroth looking at the events, you might call it a fourth war because of all that stuff. And you might let's say this is exactly there's my case for this being the fourth war. That, I don't think that works. I don't either because it's not. But where a war is supposed to literally bring in all, it, it's supposed to touch the entire world, right? No, 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 no. I mean, how did how did Stormwind get touched by what was going on in Pandaria? That's like you know that's you know wars don't have to touch the well, entire world. Well, Anduin was kind of. Heavily involved well, with that. No, but I, yeah, but like the the citizenry wasn't. The citizenry actually argue. was because the citizenry actually had to deal with the problem. Is we saw that when we we look at back at um at uh, Wrath of the Lich King, the citizenry can be affected without us ever seeing it. The fact that the alliance is militarized and is waging you know combat in other parts of the world always affects the citizenry. Yeah, and we saw that in Wrath, uh, especially in a world like Azeroth where. Stuff, you know, the cataclysm left the world in a really bad state, and we have seen no signs of recovery. Now, part of that's just the way it is, but it's it's really interesting because, like I said, I don't a war doesn't have to be worldwide to be a war. I mean, look at the French and Indian War that only took place in you know North America, while at the same time we, the seven, we can all the agree this is a war. war, right? We can all agree that it is a war that happened, yeah, but I, I just don't think it would be a. I think that the, I think the sticking point is is it a is it a the calling war. it calling it the fourth war implies that it is of a continuum with the third war, the second war, and the first war, and I don't think you can argue that because the a the people fighting aren't the same, b the stakes aren't as aren't the same. It just it doesn't feel like what we saw was anything along the lines of especially since the, you know the third war really ramped up the stakes in terms of what we get when we put one of these things into the terms of a war. Yeah, because the third war wasn't it wasn't about alliance versus horde at all. No. It was about fighting, fending off the Burning Legion. It was about the, the entire destruction of the planet had they right. lost. Right. And so, I mean, I guess you could argue that had Garrosh won, that it'd be really bad for everyone. He wanted, but, he wanted to take over Kalimdor. He yeah. wanted Kalimdor completely under Horde control. Yeah, but he probably would have invaded Stormwind. He was thinking about it. He had little fantasy oh, yeah. scenes. No, once he, he had well, Kalimdor on lockdown, then he would think about Eastern Kingdoms. But first and foremost, he wanted Kalimdor. I just ultimately, to me, it doesn't feel. I don't want to say monumental enough, but it, it doesn't feel enough like the the fight between the 
the Alliance and the Horde was the focus. Like, it really feels like it was really everybody against Garrosh. And the fact that the Horde themselves split down the middle, I'd be more likely to call it the Horde Civil War than I would be to call it the Fourth War. I think a Civil War is a very good, very, very good descriptor. Well, the other thing is interesting is that from the Alliance perspective, it's still the Horde Civil War. It's just that the Alliance picked a side and basically decided who was going to win it. Well, the Alliance couldn't they couldn't stay neutral in the Civil War. No, I mean that, that I think that that's like explicitly said too at points. Not right? when there's a warmonger in power on one side, right? So, you so know. yeah, great question, great great little great question. I like that a lot. And the next one is from Dave Antarok. And uh, Dave didn't use anything like a, a nickname or a guild name or anything like that. So, hello, watchers. What do you think the time frame would be to get Overwatch characters into Heroes? <laughs> do you think that there will be some more Warcraft slash Starcraft slash Diablo characters that should be implemented in before Overwatches? Or do you think that the each franchise is well represented so far? Pretty sure most people listening to the show would want more Warcraft characters, but nonetheless would appreciate your thoughts. First off, I think that both games have to come out first. Yeah, I was going to say, they actually have to launch both games officially before... The thing is with Heroes, Heroes is in that state where it's con- It's kind of like, it's a little bit like... I don't know um, why they haven't just launched Heroes, because I don't have either. playing it nonstop. See, the thing is, it reminds me an awful lot of when they did Hearthstone. Yeah. And it just it was like in permanent... They just it was to like it was in- the Switch and let people... Yeah. You know. They've had their tournaments on it already, like uh-huh. publicized tournaments. Like, okay, it's alive now, just make it go. But in terms of Overwatch, I think we really need to have Overwatch as a game before we start seeing Overwatch characters. That being said, established, yeah. yeah. That being said, however, Overwatch characters are absolutely going to work in Heroes. Sure, and it, it will be a thing of beauty when it happens. That it's just bringing in characters from the kind of interestingly first-person shoot team shooter. Can you imagine Tracer's abilities in Heroes of the Storm? I would love to see a one-to-one. That would be crazy. <laughs> And um, then, like, bring in, um, oh my gosh, I forget her name. Zarya? Yes, Zarya. Yeah. Bring her in with the gravity well thing. Oh, man, that'd be cool. <laughs> I would really, I, I anticipate we're going to see something at BlizzCon to this extent. Yeah. Because yeah. it's just, this is the kind of feel-good community thing. Heroes, Heroes is one of those things where it's like, I, I guess maybe they need to schedule the party. Because, I mean, it should be, they just need to schedule the launch party and launch the thing already. They were just out in Vegas a few weeks ago, so they need to wait a few more months. There's there's been a glitter shortage in California. <laughs> that being uh, said, the though, I mean... The confetti guns are, like... The, the confetti guys are in the street is in a slump right now. I do think that there should be more of all those games' characters. I also think there should be characters who aren't from any of those games. Like, honestly, I think Blackthorn should be in this thing. <gasps> Yes. Uh, I think they the brought Lost in the Lost Vikings. Yes, Why they brought in the Lost Vikings, so Blackthorn should be in there. I want, um, I want Hookah, Hookah Deathwing to be in there. That could be an alternate <laughs> skin when they do bring Deathwing Amazing in. Amazing skin. But I want to see, like, I, honestly, once once I watched, once I played Diablo 3 and, and he, they announced Heroes, and they didn't have an Imperious guy in it yet, and I'm like, oh my god, not Imperious? You, I mean, I know I know that um, Tyrael's more popular, but T- Imperius is like made to be a. Uh, he uh, should be. You know, he should be in there, man. Just yeah. for just for his his snarky emotes, if nothing else. Now and there's I, like. Adam, you've killed me. What? Why? Because now I want to see a Lord of the Clans inspired skin <laughs> for Thrall <laughs> in Heroes of the Storm awesome. with Clancy Brown's Do it. voice. Do it. <laughs> 
get Clancy Brown to reprise the voice of Thrall for that skin alone. Just do it. <laughs> Put Anduin in there with the ability called Wine. That's all. No. <laughs> no complaining about a la- Anduin allowed here. So personally, I'm I'm just looking forward to the Madon skin. That's right. Don't. You know, you want to you want to get her. You don't talk about Anduin. Don't. You don't. <laughs> hey, can we move on? <laughs> Thank you for the question, Dave. <laughs> We're going to talk about this all week in like in work chat too, so it's all good. Thank you. So the next one's actually the next one's pretty long, actually. So um, might try and summarize a little bit. Okay. Uh, this one's from Mathisra from Wormrest Accord. It's uh, ever since Vanilla, the Arathi Highlands have been a pretty underwhelming zone, in my opinion. It shouldn't be, especially not for the Alliance. It's my understanding that the Arathi Highlands is the birthplace of humanity and home to its mightiest kingdom, Arathor. In my opinion, the developers missed an opportunity to do something interesting with the zone. During the events of the Cataclysm expansion, the Horde is on the offensive, especially in Lordaeron, where Garrosh wants Sylvanas to take Gilneas for a northern port. The Horde is successful and claims Gilneas, the Hillsbrad Footlands, uh, foothills, and even Anderhal in the Western Plaguelands. Imagine this. What if the Alliance reclaimed Stromgard and began reestablishing the Kingdom of Arathor? In their fervor to save one of the greatest human kingdoms of the Horde, from the Horde, Stormwind nearly drives out the Horde in their zone and forces them to mostly fall back to Hillsbrad. Alliance quests could follow securing the New Kingdom, and there could be a, a conflict between Galen and Danath Trollbane for the coronation. This would also give the Alliance a boost to morale after defeats throughout Azeroth. I think it could be cool. What do you think? Thanks for, for everything you do, uh, Mathisra. Well, I, I mean, about this already. Yeah, we've talked I, about it. I, I absolutely think that they should take Stromgard back and establish it. Because the thing is, is you, okay, have forces move up, reestablish Strom, bring in Danath, right? Then you've got them to the east, you've got Stormwind to the south, so you can move in and get Gilneas back. And I would love to see them get Gilneas back, because that place was so unique, visually speaking, that it's an absolute pity that you only see it for like 15 levels and then it disappears. Exactly. They put all that work in there and it's gone. Same they with were, the, uh, the goblins. What was really weird about that, too, is that Gilneas was going to be a battleground. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Not what we got, which was like, a, you know, the the, 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 the one we have, Battle for Gnellis, we have is basically Battle for the Lumber Mill or Battle, battle for the Water Mill or something, you know? Battle it's for not, like a section away from the city. It's, 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 it's just not, it's not what they were going to do. It's not what they were talking about doing. It's not what they even said they were going to do, where they were going to be fighting in the city of Gilneas. If we had that battleground where you were fighting in the city then I'd be okay with us never seeing it again except for leveling because we'd see it if you were for the battleground. And you'd understand, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. I think the only use it got was for the legendary quest, didn't it? Yeah, rogues went there to pickpocket yeah. and stealth through. Is that actually a really, really, really cool quest? But at the same time, I, it's still like an entire zone that's just deserted and doing nothing. Um, Alora asked, actually, interestingly, in the chat channel here, why would Stormwind want a new kingdom established? Honestly, to take weight off of themselves. Yeah. Right now, Stormwind is the only human kingdom left. There used left. to be seven. There used to be seven, and there's one. I mean, can you count Dalaran as a human kingdom when, while it certainly has humans in it, it's A, the kingdom of the mages, B, it keeps vacillating on whether or not it wants to be part of the alliance or if it wants to be independent. Yeah. Uh, C, it's got a ton of high elves in it, which is, you know, nothing against them, but 
I think at this point, Dalaran is almost more important to High Elves than it is to, to humans, especially since they lost the place they had in Theramore. Yeah. I think at People- some point, we're going to see the human tendency to become uh, expansionist again. Yeah. And when we see that, I think we're going to see another human kingdom pop up. And it'd be really cool if it was Gilneas. Well, and as far as I'm concerned, we've got Gen Greyman and all of his people have been kind of shoveled off to Teldrassil, which makes no sense. So it would be nice to see them get their home back. Mm -hmm. Or for that matter, if we wanted to do a thing with Stromgard, it would actually make kind of a bit of sense if it was Gen and the Worgen that backed up Denath. Yeah. Because they, they want to use they, they want to use that as a staging ground. It's a stepping point to start moving over. You know, there's like this whole potential story, little story thing that they could be doing with that. Well, plus, and, I mean, if, if you had... One of the things this email suggests would actually be kind of interesting is Galen is currently a Forsaken. Yeah. And you could keep the Forsaken where they are in the zone. You could keep the Orcs where they are in the zone because they, they don't really command that much real estate. The, the Horde really has, like, two small areas in the zone. They've got that weird little pl- place full of undead right near the wall, because right now that whole, right. all of Hills Red is, is And that was added so. in Cataclysm, because Galen yeah. wasn't there before. So that, yeah, he was alive. I he was alive. <laughs> we killed him. Yeah. But then there's, like, the area on Hammerfall. And you could easily leave those places in there and just have them be, like, you know, looking kind of askance as the humans go from hanging out in this, like, pit in the middle of the zone to taking over Stromgard again. It would... It, we talk a lot about if how... If came in from the coast, from behind, where those pirate yeah. ships are at, there's, oh, there's your entry sure. point. There's your entry point. Creep in. Alliance could just totally sneak in there, take it over again. Well, we continue the Forsaken line in some regard, too, that I've been going on about forever. Yeah. We don't need to, like... The thing is is that we've been talking about... They they wanted to give people the sense the Alliance was resurgent after Missa Pandaria. But the Alliance didn't feel resurgent. No. They didn't exercise any of their powers, so how can they be resurgent if they had done it? Their resurgence was limited to... Some one-off commentary from NPCs at the end of Siege of Orgrimmar. Junia's comment was the extent of the alliance. I would like to see them actually take action on what was said at the end of Siege of Orgrimmar. You know what would be cool is if while we're in Draenor doing our thing, that's what they're doing on Azeroth right now. Is they're running that sneak attack campaign, reestablishing Strom, and the next expansion, it's like, oh, we've come home. Oh, hey, by the way, we got Strom back while you were gone. And for that matter, the Horde would then, if you're a Horde player and you get home, maybe like, yeah, while you were off, the Alliance did this, and, you know, thanks for not being here. I don't know. I don't know. There's just a lot you could do with it, and it is interesting and a little weird that, you know, I think they even admitted at the time that they just kind of ran out of the ability to do stuff. They they well, did so much zone revamping that they kind of were like, okay. They went overboard with it. And they one zone has to not get revamped, so it's going to have to be this one. They've also <laughs> said that it's it's in the future, too. Like, they, they haven't closed the book on the entire area. So, fingers crossed, maybe eventually. I would right? very much like to see some kind of amped up zone battle between those two. Yeah. And like, it would make a, a Rathi base not feel Galen silly. Just like, oh, it'd be cool. It'd be cool. It'd make the Arathi Highlands someplace that I'd like to go level. (laughs) (laughs) If I got to participate in a war effort like that, where it's like, oh, man, that'd be cool. That would be cool. I'd love to see that. Okay. 
Uh, actually, interestingly enough, the last email we got kind of touches upon that too. So I'm going to read that one right now. Okay. This one's from Powerbot of Garona. And it's like, Watchers, your last episode you talked about humans regaining control of the kingdom of Strom and regaining Gilneas. Apparently we talk about it here too. Uh, I wasn't here for last episode, so yeah. sorry. Uh, we have not seen any outcomes thus far from the repercussions of myths outside of war crimes. What does the new horde look like under Warchief Vol'jin? What has Varian Rin been doing as he watches the new horde leadership? We have been isolated in another time way for what is supposed to be years. I don't know if it's years, but it's been months. Uh, what, what, with no news of our homes on Azeroth, what do you think? What do you three or four watchers think we will see having changed when we return to Azeroth? And do you think this sets up for a new, exp- a next expansion where we see a drastically changed Azeroth? Uh, thank you, Power, Powerbot of Garona. Um, I don't know if we're going to see a drastically changed Azeroth, or we'll I see don't some think other. They're going to Cataclysm Part Agreed. Two. Yeah. No, they're not going to Cataclysm Part Two. Sorry. <laughs> but it is interesting to think about all the stuff that got talked about at the ends of Miss. And that we haven't had any way to see what happened with it. Like, I mean, did the Night Elves actually push back into Ashara? Um, they talked about not doing that, I believe. Uh, you talk to... Is it Taronda? Uh, Taronda, yeah. You talk to Taronda, and she says they basically were like, you know, whatever, we don't need Ashara. You can have Ashara, but we get Ashenvale. Yeah, and that means all of Ashenvale. The and there's currently of it. There's currently two pretty big horde bases in Ashenvale. Yeah. Um, and that would be they're gone. And that would be interesting because it would completely change the leveling flow. Uh, I doubt that they're going to do that. I don't think we're ever going to see the stuff's not going to update from the cataclysm time period. But what's interesting about that, too, is that's we talked a lot about this back in the day. And we haven't really talked about it too much. But Taronda has been a really kind of weirdly diffident leader uh-huh. up until Missa Pandaria. Missa mm-hmm. Pandaria is the first time in a while we saw her step up and start leading again. Where she had any personality in the last yeah, one. And, yeah. But and she's, she's a co-leader with Malfurion because he's been active. Yeah, but the thing is, is he didn't, you didn't see him co-lead at all. I know, I know that was a joke. I'm face-palming right now. I'm sorry. <laughs> That's actually... The thing is, is they never should have... That, that idea that getting floated out of him being a co-leader should never have happened because he doesn't work as a co-leader. No. He works better as the guy who's thinking about everything. Who's like, you know, the the dynamic between it, it's funny that you said that um Matt changed it to Warcraft 2 Warcraft uh, 3. Yeah. Reign of Chaos because if you I was watching the old Reign of Chaos uh yeah. cinematics the other day and Malfurion actually comes off as very level-headed and Taronda is not. She's a hothead. Yeah. Taronda's the person who's like, you know, don't say Taronda, I forbid it. That's no, never say that. That's a no. terrible, terrible idea. It's like, no, you can't free my in brother, Warcraft I forget 3, it. It's a terrible yeah. idea. But in the novels that were established, she's a different person. It's really weird because Taronda, the character, has been portrayed with so many different personalities over the years that it's hard to pick out which one she really is or to even unite them all into one cohesive character. Because who she is in Warcraft 3 is a battle-hardened leader. Um, And there's other colorful choice phrases I could use for that. that Isn't she kind of... Am I remembering her as kind of weak in the Ronin story? Um, it's not necessarily, it's, it's basically, um, when you go back to War of the Ancients, uh, she was 
kind of portrayed as like uncertain and you know experienced as unexperienced but the thing is is they were back in the war of the ancients and at that point in time she hadn't been made leader yet so it made sense for her to be that kind of a leader or to be that kind of a personality because she was still very young and i could see in my head the sheer amount of time between the war of the ancients ten thousand years ago to where we were in warcraft 3 that period of time would harden anybody Especially when you've got stuff like, oh, I don't know, the rise of the Akir down in um, Silithus and whatnot going on in the middle of, you know, the war, the shifting sands, all of this other stuff going on. And Tyrande is dealing with it sans Malfurion because he's napping in the Emerald Dream like he should be. That's, that's like his duty. That's his charge. So I could totally see that shift in personality. That made sense to me. But then when you go from what yeah, we saw in Warcraft 3... They started writing her the way she was in the War of the Ancients in books set now. When you go from Warcraft 3 to the novel Storm Rage, suddenly in Storm Rage, Tyrande is that person that she was in War of the Ancients all over again. And it Tur- just doesn't work. Tyrande's the Wesley Crusher of the Night Elves. Kinda. She kind of is. What's funny though is because she's, in Mist- she's in there Mist- to star in Tiger Beat magazine now. In, <laughs> in Mists of Pandaria, though, like in Mists and in War Crimes, She's definitely much closer to the Warcraft 3 personality. She's, she's much mm-hmm. closer, yeah. So it's it's weird because it's kind of like they haven't figured out where they want to place her yet. And then they bring back Malfurion, which is great. But at the same time, he's suddenly co-leader with Tyrande, except that he never really was co-leader, was he? Where was he during that 10,000 years? Was he sleeping that entire 10,000 years? Did he come out and help her? We don't have that established history, so we don't know. We know he was out, well, we do know he was out 9,000 years ago because he was involved in the whole thing with the worgen. Yes. So he he did get up from time to time. Like, he'd get up, stretch his legs. He was there to establish the Cenarian Circle. Yeah, but he certainly wasn't up for most of that period of time. Like, the Akir came up, he didn't even bother to get up. He wasn't, it was, yeah, it was Fandral that was doing all of that. Um, By the way, Fandral, that's another talk of another day. Man, that guy. <laughs> Why did they kill another him? Podcast. I don't know. He was so fascinating. Anyway. But well, yeah, yeah. That, um, that's one thing we could see. I mean, I'd love to see some work on that one. I'd love to see. I don't necessarily need the, the Worgen to retake Gilneas, but I'd love to see them embroiled with the, with the Forsaken for real. Strom, I'd love to see them, let's, you know, let's come back to Azeroth and see Strom hale and whole. That'd be cool. Denas, like, yeah, I, I totally got, I totally finally okay. got my paperwork done and I came here's, back. Here's what I want to see. I want to see Strom reestablished. I want to see some effort being made to take Gildanus back. I would like to see Dalaran with a new permanent home on the ruins of Theramore. I, I really, for me, I think that would be the biggest middle finger Gina could give the Horde is, yeah, you took one city. Try taking this one and just let, boom, put it back. And I, I, I would be cool with that. I think Honestly, if she cool. did that, if, if you saw Dalaran over Theramore, I want to see the purple bubble over Theramore. Yeah, it'd be great. It'd cover half of Dustwallow Mark should be fantastic. I want to see that. <laughs> um, Horde-wise, I don't know what I want to see Horde-wise. Because the thing is, that's that what, what you said in your email, Powerbot, is a question that I've been trying to answer myself. And I have no answer for it. Because I think right now... The new horde under War Chief Vol'jin is a very uncertain kind of horde that doesn't know much 
about they know who they are as like an identity. They want to be this kind of family unit sort of thing where they band together and everything, but band together to do what? That's a question Vol'jin has to answer with his advisors. And I don't think that it's been addressed yet. So there's so much room. Like one of the things talking about what you want to see, here's what I want to see. I want to see the blood elves seriously considering what their role in the horde is going to be. Yes. And maybe saying to themselves, we're the best at magic we're the most civilized. We have the most experience, the longest unbroken history. We should be in charge. And starting to like think about themselves in that. Not saying that they should take over. I'm saying that they should start. I want to see them strut a little bit. I want to the see what else. they still beholden to the Forsaken yeah. is kind of silly. I want to see them say no, not anymore. Yeah. You know, we're done. Put their foot down stand up to yeah. Sylvanas. That'd be I'm not, crazy. You know, I'm not listening to you anymore. And for that matter, Sylvanas went through something in War Crimes. Uh, you guys still there? Because yeah. I just lost it. Okay, cool. Yes. So, Sylvanas went through something in War Crimes that needs to play out in game. Yes, it does. Uh, she that needs was to, pretty pivotal character yeah. changing. We need to see a Sylvanas who has actually been through the, like, you know, she thought she was done feeling pain. She's like, you know, not if you, anymore. She hadn't gotten started. <laughs> yeah. And she, you know, it was really fascinating. If you if you haven't read War Crimes, it's really fascinating to watch um, Sylvanas and Verissa in that book because I did not see that coming in terms of the way their relationship went. Oh, Nobody did. So it's, it was amazing. It was it was one of the better like wild wow plot points I think that they've and had I know, in a long time. Uh, Christy Golden. I know Sylvanas is one of her favorite char- characters, if not her favorite character, and. She was really happy to finally get the chance to actually write that character. Oh my gosh, she needs well, to Sylvanas all the time. Uh-huh. Yeah, but what's funny is how, as much as she did a good job with Sylvanas, it was amazing what she did with Verisa. Yeah, no, that the it just the dynamic between the two of them and how that fell out is just yeah. If you haven't read War Crimes, read it for that. If nothing else, it was yeah. it was really good. It is the it is it's an amazing story on its own. But especially when you connect it to everything else that's going on, it's now that astounding. we've got now that we've had time. Garage is no longer a part of anything. It's time to see what the fallout of all that was in terms of Sylvanas. On the one hand, she's in the strongest position she's ever been in. That she runs the Forsaken. They are hers. They've and never she's been. She's got more the Blood hers. Elves, or she's had the Blood Elves fairly firmly under her thumb. Yeah, they haven't been time. able to do much. But at the same time, she's been through the most loss she's ever been through. Because now, not only is she like, she's already known she's like a monster now and that she doesn't, you know, but now she knows you can still suffer. You know, she's not mm-hmm. dead inside anymore, and that's worse. Because being a living person inside of a rotting corpse is like the worst thing you can possibly be. She knows now that there's pain in the future for her. And that's just something that it really can work on that character and make her something more interesting than just, I'm a cackling villainess who wants to kill everybody because I want to kill everybody. She's much yeah. more deep. She has a lot more dimensions to her. Yeah. Um, Vol'jin, in terms of what I want to see for Vol'jin, I want to see Vol'jin fighting somebody. You know, we, he needs a rival. He needs somebody there who's going to stand up to him and say no. And he, basically, Garage had a Vol'jin. Vol'jin needs a Vol'jin. Vol'jin needs somebody to be like the uh, the loyal opposition, somebody in the horde who will not back him up. Because he isn't going to get that from the Torin. No. 
Uh, so, you know, we pretty much need to establish somebody who's going to fight with him. That's why I think that the Blood Elves and Forsaken kind of need to step up. Have them kind of push back a little bit. Yeah, I want to see the Vol'jin that we saw in Shadows of the Horde. I want to see that guy and what he does with the Horde as a result yeah. of what happened in Shadows of the Horde, which is also another really good book, and they need to bring back Stackpole to write another one. So, <laughs> Yeah, that was a good book. Yeah. One of the things that, you know, they even brought it into the, the very, uh, the, during the Civil War plotline, I liked his pragmatism. Because as much as he does have idealism, but Thrall was the pure idealist. And Garrosh was the pure cynic. The pure, you know, um, I'm just going to conquer everything and that'll... Vulcan kind of falls somewhere between. That. I like when he turns, he basically turns to the Alliance character who's working with him and says, we don't have to like each other. We don't even have to, like, be friends. We just have to work together. Yeah, we can work together now. And it's just like... It's kind of like, I want to see the Vulcan as the real politic, you know? Yeah. The 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 does what's necessary, does it you know for advantage and doesn't agonize over it character because I think that can you know like you said with shadows they of the board they need yeah. that but I think we've pretty much run out of show so that's unfortunate but hey we had a lot of conversation <laughs> yeah we talked quite a, a bit it was a lot yeah uh, as is always the case um, you can always email us at you know. Uh, podcast at blizzardwatch.com and we'll be more than happy to take a look at your emails and you know try and answer them because that's what we do here at the show adam you wanted to plug the easy in again i did and uh another way that you can get our email and our news is by signing up for our weekly newsletter you just go to blizzardwatch.com forward slash newsletter and you can sign up for it right there the first edition comes out on tuesday uh april 7th so uh go and do that in addition to sending us your questions okay well and that's the show for everybody uh I'm Matt Rossi. I'm the host. And uh, with me has been Ann and Adam. Uh, you guys have anything else to say? Thanks a lot. We'll see you guys on Thursday with the Leveling Bonanza stream on Twitch, where we will continue leveling, theoretically not in Lockmadan, although we haven't figured that out yet. So come watch if you want. Bye, everybody. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much. But when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.